When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 47, and we are recording on September 20th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello! Hello! Welcome, welcome. Indeed. To the internet? I don't know. (laughs) I say that every week, and I'm always like, what am I welcoming people to? (laughs) To this next hour of their lives, listening to us (laughs) ramble about books. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the Brooklyn Book Festival this past weekend and worked our booth, and there were so many lovely people who stopped by and said they listened to the various podcasts. So, like, if I saw you, thank you, you were awesome. Oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah, it was really, really nice. It was great. It was lovely. And they also let me talk at them about Book Riot Live, which I will now proceed to do to you all. Uh, <laughs> because it's less than 60 days away. Oh, my God. How did that happen? That's um, And it's really exciting. You can still get your tickets and you can still get them for $20 off with code JazzHands. And um, it's going to be amazing. We have incredible speakers. The programming is in the process of being announced. And there's some really good stuff coming up and some really good stuff already on the website and we've got all these great interviews with the speakers coming up and I don't know it's just going to be amazing and you should come join us it will be the nerd party of the year here in New York November 12th and 13th bookriotlive.com okay I'm done now (laughs) okay so yeah come see us Um, So as I said, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. So you can send us your reading recommendation requests. Um, They can be for you. They can be for your book club, for a gift you want to give someone. Doesn't matter. Uh, Anything goes. You can send them to us uh, via email, getbooktobookright.com, or you can drop them into the form at the bottom of every uh, post for the show notes on the site. Um, so that is how the show works. We are, we do want to mention that we are starting to respond to some questions, um, via email instead of on the air because we, you know, this is episode 47. We've been around for almost a year, so we're starting to get repeat questions and we don't expect you guys to listen to every episode and make sure that you have, it hasn't been asked already. Um, so if it has been asked a couple of times, we will send you, um, the answers over email so that you don't feel like you're being ignored. And that is my story. (laughs) All right, so let's get started. Um, Jen is going to read our first question, and then we will do our first sponsor and give you our answers. Uh-oh. Jen? Sorry, here I am. Oh, sorry. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so our first question is from Michaela. Apologies if I pronounced your name wrong. Uh, I just started listening to your podcast. As I've been listening, I realized that I need to broaden my horizons and start reading graphic novels, but have no idea where to start. Some of my favorite books are Harry Potter, Pride and Prejudice, anything by Sarah Dessen, and Sherlock Holmes retellings. I read Persepolis in my freshman college literacy class about nine years ago, and I believe I liked it. Can you please provide me some recommendations of graphic novel must-reads or ones to start with? We certainly can. Um, but like Amanda said, first we're going to do our first sponsor, which is Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer. And it is a YA novel. You might recommend, recognize Starmer from his middle grade series, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, but this is his YA novel, and it is about Mara Carlyle, who is senior in or high school, excuse me, and, uh, you know, it's going, senior year is going pretty normal, 
And then suddenly a fellow senior student explodes during third period pre-calc, which can I just say speaks to me on a fundamental level because <laughs> math was always my highest like anxiety trigger in high school. And if like spontaneous combustion was available as an option to me, I certainly, I would have been a character in this book. Um, and so, and that was Caitlin who explodes during pre-calc and she's not the first, uh, or she's, she is the first, but she's not the last teenager to blow up without warning. Um, and as seniors continue to spontaneously explode, uh, Mara is narrating the end of her world as she knows it, you know, can't just get through senior years, always got to be something. And uh, if you enjoy, so if you enjoy shows like Buffy or Teen Wolf, or um, you really dig high school novels that also include supernatural hijinks, this book is definitely for you. Um, and a starred review from Kirkus, this cracked me up. They said Spontaneous was a blood-soaked, laugh-filled, tear-drenched, endlessly compelling read. I feel like it's not so often that you get the words blood-soaked and laugh-filled right next to each other. <laughs> uh, so that is Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer. Check it out, and thanks for sponsoring the show. Okay. Do you want to go first? I've been talking for a while. Sure. Um, okay, so graphic novels and comics and things like that. So my first pick for you is The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Volume 1, uh, which is by Ryan North. And I picked this one because of how much you like Sarah Dessen. I felt like those are like very kind of lighthearted and fun sort of books. So I went with lighthearted, fun, really excellent female protagonist um, for my first pick. Uh, this is a superhero comic, but it's not... Like, I don't know. I feel like when I say superhero comic, people think Batman, Superman. It's it's not like dark or gritty. Doreen is the main character. She's Squirrel Girl. And she is, I mean, in as much as, like, she has interesting teeth and a tail. Uh, and a little squirrel named Tippy, who she communicates with. And, like, she can talk to squirrels. And she has the ability to, like, run really fast and jump really high because Squirrel Girl. And it's awesome. Uh, and in this collection, she's just started college. So she's decided that, like, she's moving out of the Avengers uh, headquarters that she's going to go live kind of a normal life and do the thing. So she moves in with the roommate. Um, and then, you know, shenanigans start happening. Um, some baddies invade her college campus and she has to take care of them. The thing that I like about Squirrel Girl, um, especially this volume, is that the big baddie, like the big, uh, not the big villain that she has to defeat, um, she does it like with her brains, like her smarts. And she has physical superpowers, but she's also like a compassionate and intelligent and funny person. So she uses more of those aspects of her personality to uh, win the day and save the world than she does violence, which is a thing that I appreciate. You know, like, sometimes you got to punch a bad guy, but sometimes you could, like, talk first, maybe. <laughs> Just a thought. Uh, <laughs> which is, like, not a thing Batman's very good at, the talking no. first. You know? <laughs> He's terrible at talking. So bad. Punching and then and then maybe talking after. Right. After you've, like, cried a little about your parents. <laughs> um, so that's my first pick. It's The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 1, um, by Ryan North. I love those. And Erica Henderson's art is so yes. good in that. She's amazing. Um, okay, my first pick is also because you said you liked Pride and Prejudice and Sarah Dessen. Um, and it is Fresh Romance, Volume 1, uh, by Kate Leth, Sarah Kuhn, and a ton of other amazing people. Um, it is, as you might guess from the title, a romance comic, but, like... It's, I, I don't know if you, I mean, you've read Pride and Prejudice and Sarah Dustin, you're fine. Okay. Mm. I was going to say, it's like, don't be afraid of romance. Nobody should be afraid of romance ever. But these are romance stories, but there are a huge range of them. So there is like an unhappy Regency era marriage. And then there's like a contemporary, um, 
high school one. And then there's this great like coffee shop romance and they're all really different. And some of them are really funny and some of them are kind of dark. Um, and they're all just really fun and interesting and compelling. Um, the art is fantastic. There's a bunch of different artists who worked on it. Um, and this is the first volume of a bunch of different collection, collected stories. Um, and Fresh Romance is an indie publisher. They're doing really amazing things. I really love their work. Um, and I just feel like, if, especially if you're new to comics and you want to experience a range of different art styles, because that can be hard, right? Like not every art style is for every reader. Um, and not every storytelling style is for every reader. But this is a bunch of different artists, a bunch of different writers. So it'll give you a nice range of different types of storytelling and art and graphic novel techniques. Uh, and then you can kind of like go from there. You can learn a little bit about what you like and then start looking for other things. So that is Fresh Romance Volume 1 by like a murderer's row of awesome authors mm-hmm. and artists, but including Kate Luth and Sarah Kuhn. Okay, my second pick is March. Uh, it's by primarily by John Lewis and then also co-written by Andrew Aiden and Nate Powell does the art. Um, and so I picked this because of your love of Harry Potter, which might seem like a weird comp because it's not a fantasy comic. Um, but, you know, Harry Potter is at its core about overcoming the evil of prejudice and bigotry. And that's basically what, well, not basically, that's exactly what March is about. Um, John Lewis is a congressman from Georgia. Um, he grew up during the civil rights movement and participated in the civil rights movement um, and, like, was there with Martin Luther King and all of that. And so the, there are three volumes of these graphic novels, um, and they're basically autobiographical. And the first one t- covers his, like, childhood growing up sharecropping in rural Alabama, how he ended up meeting Martin Luther King, um, the Nashville student movement, how that came about, which was the conglomeration of students uh, in Nashville, obviously, and across the South um, who practiced nonviolent sit-ins in businesses that wouldn't serve black people. Um, And so that's the first volume. It doesn't go, I mean, he obviously became a congressman and is still a congressman um, and just did that sit-in in the House for gun control, but it doesn't, the first volume stops way before that. Like, we're still in the 60s. Um, So you can keep going and read the other volumes, and they're all really great. Um, And it takes place against the backdrop of um, Obama's inauguration. It's just a really nice, like, historical, autobiographical, really well-drawn graphic novel that covers a lot of stuff that we're obviously still still dealing with, police brutality, uh, racism, and all that. So March, book one, uh, primarily by Congressman John Lewis. Awesome. Uh, my second pick for you is The Shadow Hero by Jean Luen Yang and Sunny Liu. And I picked it because I used to uh, help run a romance, or excuse me, a, oh boy, I haven't had coffee yet today. So like my cool. words are a little, yeah, it's, I know it's a desperate state of affairs. Um, <laughs> okay, so I used to help run a graphic novel book club. And we had a really wide range of people who, like, some people were super hardcore superhero comics people, and some people were indie comics, and some people had not really read that many, and some people had read a ton. And every, almost, I mean, I think everybody who showed up for this meeting loved it, um, and we had a really fascinating discussion about it. So I feel like it appeals to a really broad cross-section of people who might like to read comics. So The Shadow Hero is, it's kind of cool. It's a, it's based on a Golden Age comic series called The Green Turtle, which was very short-lived for perhaps reasons you might guess, um, which is about a hero who, like, saw, you know, he solved crimes and fought injustice and he was a masked crusader, but it was the first Asian-American superhero and it was kind of controversial at the time. Um, 
And now it's 70 years later, and Gene Lu and Yang, who is a force, um, he's amazing. He's written a ton of, gra- written and illustrated a ton of graphic novels. He's really incredible. He actually writes a column for Book Riot Comics, which you should check out on our site. Um, I'll drop a link into the show notes. Um, but he decided to bring this character back, um, and he worked with an artist named Sunny Lu. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an immigrant story. It's about a family that moves to San Francisco um, and is trying to, like, you know, decide how they are going to have their lives and um and it's about you know becoming a hero and like you get the training montages but you also get these like really hilarious scenes with the hero's mom um there's a dame of course because this takes place in like you know the 50s or is it the 40s anyway it's oldie times quote unquote american oldie times um and it's just so much fun it's really fantastic uh and i think the art is beautiful and the story is interesting and it is just just a really great example of what you can do with a graphic novel um, that's not just like your straightforward superhero in a cape graphic novel. So that is The Shadow Hero by Jean Lu and Yang and Sunny Lu. Okay, question two. This is from Heather. She says, I just finished reading Second Star by Alyssa Scheinwell, and it has left me unable to function in any normal bookish capacity. I've never read a book where the beach was as much as a character as it was in this book. I have about a month of beach weather left and want to read another rich, vivid book, but I have no idea where to go from here. Do you know of any other books that feature the beach in such a detailed way where it becomes a character? I prefer YA, but I'm open to any type of fiction. Okay, I'll just keep going. So um, for the YA pick, my recommendation, my first one is uh, Summer, The Summer I Turned Pretty by Jenny Han, which is, I'm pretty sure, the first in a trilogy. Yeah, the first in a trilogy. Um, this is about a 15-year-old girl named Belly. But, I mean, I think her real name is like Isabella or Isabella. But her nickname is Belly. And she spends every summer with her mom's best friend and her mom's best friend's two boys. Um brothers obviously and so every summer they these families like go away they get a beach house um together they do the family vacation thing and this is belly's like favorite time of year for her everything that is good and pure and rainbow colored and unicorn scented in life happens during the summer um she also maybe has like romantic feelings for both brothers which is complicated um and so the, the during the book um this summer that it takes place, Belly has become, obviously, as the title suggests, pretty. Like, she's gone from being a kid that these boys, like, play with to, like, a girl that is attractive and interesting to both of them. Um, And she has to decide which one she kind of wants. Now that they both want her, she gets to pick. And that's, like, weird and complicated and awful. And there's also, like, a family situation that complicates things a little bit further with the boy's mom. Um, but all of this takes place against the backdrop of, you know, a beach a beach house over the summer. So it's a really vivid place and setting. And it offers this, like, bubble where all of this drama can, like, stew <laughs> and become, you know, juicy in that nice contemporary YA way uh, that I really like. So that's The Summer I Turn Pretty by Jenny Han. Uh, I just want to take a second to congratulate Heather on having read, like, almost all of the books I was going to recommend already. I know. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, it's already on her list. Shoot. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I did find some. Um, my first pick is an all-ages graphic novel uh, called This One Summer by Mariko Tamaki and Jillian Tamaki, who are cousins, not sisters, cousins. Um, and I love this graphic novel so much. 
And you will see just by the cover alone, like how perfectly this fits into what you're looking for, because it's this great shot of two girls like jumping into the waves of the ocean. Um, and it's about a girl named Rose who every year her and her mom and dad go to a lake house. Um, and she's got like her lake house friend, Wendy, who's always there. Like they only see each other when they're there at the at the lake house. Um, and but this summer is a little bit different. Their parents are fighting and Rose and Wendy are sort of right at that, you know, age where I think Rose is 12 and Wendy's maybe 11. Um, And so Rose is, like, just starting to get interested into, like, what the teenagers are doing. Um, And there's this convenience store where they all hang out, and she's, like, sort of watching them having their drama and then trying to figure out what's going on with her parents. Um, And while it's mostly from Rose's perspective, you get a bunch of the grown-ups and teenagers in the story. So you're kind of getting three different age group uh, storylines, which I thought was really clever and really interestingly done. Um, And the art is just gorgeous. Like every scene that's on set on the beach of the lake is like, I just want to like sit here and look at the pages all over again. Um, And so, yeah, it's a really beautiful coming of age story. It's really well done. It's got this great, you know, beach setting. I just think everybody needs to read it, but particularly if you're looking for beach reads. So that is This One Summer by Mariko Tamaki and Jillian Tamaki. Okay, my next pick for you is The Veins of the Ocean by Patricia Engel. Um, She mentioned later in the question, um, I didn't read all of it because a lot of it was titles, but that she was looking specifically or especially for something that doesn't take place in New England. And so that's what I I was going for with this one. Um, It's about a a young woman. Her name is Raina. Um, She is like the devoted sister to a guy who is in jail on death row for throwing a baby off a bridge. Um, which she did do. And so she kind of blames herself because of, like, weird stuff that happened in their family. And um, so she, every weekend, goes to see her brother in jail until he's executed. And then once he's executed, she decides to start over. So she moves to the Florida Keys to, like, a really small kind of town where she meets... Uh, a man named Nesto who's an exiled Cuban refugee and he's waiting in the keys for his children to come so that he can start their, you know, life over. And they sort of, you know, develop a relationship and Nesto is really into like the spiritual aspects of the ocean, like the redemption and cleansing nature and uh, all of that kind of thing. And so Raina starts to interact with the ocean and like as a way to renew her faith Um, And so the book moves around like the Caribbean and Miami, the Keys, obviously Cuba um, and into Cartagena where Reina's family is from. So it's just like saturated (laughs) because water, it's like saturated by the ocean. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That was really awful. (laughs) Dad joke sticker. (laughs) Um, But uh, it isn't that like rich people in New England having interpersonal problems while they get super drunk, which is a subgenre that I like super love. But this takes that ocean setting or the beach setting and puts it, you know, down south. Um, So that's The Veins of the Ocean by Patricia Engel. All right. My second pick for you is by Tova Janssen, who you might know from Moomin fame, but she also wrote uh, like many other things, including grown-up stuff. Um, And her book, The Summer Book, is really cool sort of, I I can't quite tell if it's supposed to be a short story collection or if it is in fact a novel with these like slightly disconnected chapters. But anyway, it's about an 
older artist, uh, an elderly woman, and her six-year-old granddaughter. And they are away together um, in the summer on a little island in the Gulf of Finland. Um, And it is like, this is their summer house. They're there every summer. Um, And the father of the little girl is sort of like a distant presence in the background. Like every now and then it's like, and then her dad made a sandwich, but you don't really see him. Um, It's really just this, (laughs) the woman and her granddaughter. Um, And the child, you know, she's six-year-old is like a pretty dramatic kind of crotchety like full of feelings six-year-old um and the woman who's like she's elderly and she's you kind of discover through the course of the book she's like not 100% healthy um are like trying to negotiate each other and it's really delightful like it's it's not sweet I don't want to say but the it's so perfectly human the way that they are like negotiating their time together and like what they want to do and when they want to do it and like the little tiny like fears and dramas of six-year-old life versus like what this woman who was an artist sort of wants to you know how she wants to spend her retirement years um and and the the geography could not be more present I mean it's just they're talking about you know the island of its rocks and it's the ocean and there's a huge storm that the six-year-old thinks she caused by like praying to God for something interesting to happen and um there's just all of these moments where you're just deeply deeply embedded in the geography of the book um and it's so beautiful uh I just kind of felt like I was in a different place as I was reading it um not a whole lot actually happens right it's like a lot more about just them negotiating their relationship but it's it's a delight it's just a delight so that is the summer book by Tova Janssen Okay. Oh, and it's my turn. Okay, so the next question is from Tina. Uh, I have always loved young adult fantasy series. While Twilight was my gateway drug, I've devoured so many since then and have loved Graceling, Throne of Glass, Hunger Games, Divergent, etc., etc. Et mm-hmm. um, so two questions. First, can you recommend some books or series that are similar but perhaps more adult? In other words, I'd like to read some fantasy series where the main characters actually quote-unquote do it, and I don't mean at the very end of the book or after they're married. I love this question so much. <laughs> uh, okay, second question is which of your contributors slash staff would you say have this type of book in their wheelhouse? and how can I follow them? Um, So I'm just going to keep talking. Um, My first recommendation for you is that it's technically the third book in this series, but I don't think it matters if you read it first. And I think I actually kind of, I really like it as the entry to the series. So it's about a girl by Sarah McCary. And it's about an 18 year old named Tally who is like, a genius, um, and super aware of her genius. Uh, so she's one of those very self-conscious narrators, and she's working in a bookstore. Um, she's, like, planning her future. She's going to win a Nobel Prize as an astronomer. She's obsessed with the stars. Um, she's trying to f- negotiate her relationship with her best friend, Shane, which is maybe turning romantic and maybe not, and she's not really sure. Um, and then she discovers something about her family and sets out on this, like, quest to try to track down this mystery person from her past. Like, I don't want to give spoilers. Um, And in the process, falls in love with this woman, Maddie, 
who is not what she seems. Um, and this book is great because it is sort of a retelling. The whole series is inspired by Ovid's Metamorphosis, so there's a ton of Greek mythology woven in here. Um, there's a ton of supernatural stuff, and there is so much sex, like really a lot of sex in, in this book. Um, it's really, uh, and some of it's like mildly supernatural sex even. So uh, you can't go wrong. Um, I really love this series as a whole. Um, and I think this is a fun one. Then if, okay, so if you read this one and then you should go back and read number one and then number two is how I would say to do it. Um, but it's fantastic. Uh, so that is about a, about a girl by Sarah McCary. All of the titles are, um, Nirvana lyrics PS, which also cracks me up. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop talking now. (laughs) Okay. All right, so my first pick is Kashiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey. I mean, you asked for adult, and yes. I, like, went there. <laughs> um, so this is the first in the series, and it's very, uh, what, what should I say, like, it's very high fantasy. So it's got the epic language and an epic plot, um, and it's, like, this big and intricate Game of Thrones style kind of political story. The main character's name is Fedra, and she is a prostitute but in this universe or this world um prostitutes are like a religious um order and so her position in society is more like anara from firefly like there are some people who don't understand it who are rude to her but for the most part people really value and appreciate what the like the thing that she does in their social structure um added to that she's also uh essentially a masochist and like the first in several generations, and the only one that's known. Uh, so her price, her like literal and figurative, figurative price for being the only existing masochist in this society um, makes her very valuable. And so she uses the, that fact uh, to infiltrate political and wealthy people's bedrooms and like learn their secrets and do what she can for like the preservation of her society and her her political system and uh, her queen, essentially. And so she's a spy. She's a sex spy. That's a thing that I just realized. She's a sex spy. (laughs) Is that our show title? Yep, there it is. Um, So there's lots of doing it that happens in this book. And it's not after they're married because there's no, like, real marriage thing for her um, because of what she does for a living and her, her like religious beliefs. Um, and it's, but it's not, I mean, it's not erotica. This is not like a, a, a romance novel, I wouldn't say, but there is a lot of, there's a lot of sex and there's a lot of really great, um, you know, like epic fantasy stuff going on. So it's intricately plotted. If you like Game of Thrones, you'll like this maybe better. I like it better than Game of Thrones, but that's just me. So it's Cushiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey. My second pick for you is a fantasy novel. Um, it is... I think the, the main character is actually kind of teenage. But anyway, uh, it's The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms by N.K. Jemisin, which is the first in the Inheritance trilogy, which, for the record, is full of all kinds of sex. Um, and this <laughs> first... And amazing other things. Uh, the first one follows uh, Yaina Dar. I think that's how you say her name, but I could be wrong, sorry. Um, and she is sort of uh, living with a small tribe. Um, her mother was part of the royal family, but left... And she never expects to be summoned back to the royal city of Skye. But then she is, um, because the old sort of king is dying um, and is refusing to pick an heir and is pitting his grandchildren against each other in a really, like, super dangerous political machinations and stabbings way. Um, 
And one of the things that keeps the royal family in power is that they have managed to enslave these gods and demigods um, through various reasons and uh, are like have their powers at their disposal um, and do not treat them particularly well in, and and including things like, you know, abusing them sexually. Um, and Yana gets there and is just like, boy, this is the actual worst um, and is trying to not only survive because now she's a contender for the throne even though she has no interest in it um, and has is like has no idea how to deal with all of these court politics um, because that was not how she was raised she was raised to be like physically powerful and you know to cut her way through uh, because that was the situation she was in and now she's trying to like match wits um, and uh, there is and then she in the process sort of becomes uh, involved in a conspiracy um, that includes these gods and demigods, and then there's all kinds of sexy times. Um, I was talking about this book at a book club this past weekend, and somebody was like, yeah, but that's not, like, real sex, because, like, she's having sex with a god who can turn into, like, other things. And I was like, I think it still counts. <laughs> so um, it's a really smart series. It's a really compelling series, uh, and it's just, I mean, she does such amazing things with this, like, warring gods trope that I've never seen done before. Uh, it's just an amazing book. So that is The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms by N.K. Jemison. Okay, my second one is actually a romance that seemed to be, like, the thing that you were focusing on. So it's Angel's Blood by Nalini Singh, uh, also the first in a series, uh, the Guild Hunter series. And this series is bananas. So vampires and angels is what's happening here. Which, since you like Daughter of Smoke and Bone, you're probably not all that unfamiliar with, actually, even though they're, you know, take chimeras and replace them with vampires. The main character's name is Elena. She's a vampire hunter. She's, like, super good at her job. And then she gets hired by the Archangel Raphael. Like, yes, like that Archangel Raphael, who's, like, the Archangel of New York, I think. Like, in this system or this situation, the Archangels have, like, overseas different areas of the world um, and all the supernatural goings-on in that area. So she gets hired by him to go chase another archangel who has gone off the rails and is murdering people and other angels and is generally just, you know, just on a destructive spree. So she's got to figure out how to track and find this wayward archangel, all while knowing that, like, she's immortal, archangels are not and can destroy a human body in 2.5 seconds and so this is not like a safe thing for her it's much more dangerous than her usual vampire hunting fair etc and um she also has to deal with working for one of them which is not a thing she's like used to and then and then they start to kind of fall for each other her and the archangel and so that's weird <laughs> and there's uh, an interesting power dynamic to their relationship uh lots of sex no marriage nah not so much um and but still not, it's not, like, it's not erotica. They have a relationship, like, they, it builds over time, etc. It's like a, it's just a paranormal urban fantasy romance. Um, so, Daughters of Smoke and Bone, but R-rated, is how I would put it. So, that's, <laughs> and that's what that, I mean, Daughters of Smoke and Bone, they have sex, but it's very, it's fade to black, right? There's no, there's no fading here. Sans the fading. So, that's Angel's Blood by Nalini Singh. I think that might be the title. <laughs> Sans the fading. I love Nalini Singh. She's so She's good. She's so good. <laughs> I like you read the. I read the synopsis and I'm like, what? Like whose right. brain? Spr where from whose brain did that like spring? But mm -hmm. it's so good. It's just great. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. Is it my turn? It's your turn. All right. 
Okay, this question is from Hannah. Um, she says, my friend and I are driving down to New Orleans at the end of September for NOLA StoryCon. What I'm looking for are great books set in New Orleans or written by the authors who will be at the convention. For books set in New Orleans, I've read A Confederacy of Dunces and a few of the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice. The first was okay and the latter was awesome. Mm, excuse me. For con authors, I've read Age of Legends by Kelly Armstrong, Ink and Bone by Rachel Kane, and a couple of Molly Harper books, all of which I loved. Any recommendation that's great on audio is a plus in case we end up listening to it on the drive down. All right. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay. Uh, my first recommendation for you is Claire DeWitt and the City of the Dead by Sarah Grant, which is the first in, I think there's just two of the books in the series. I wish there were more. Um, so it's about a private investigator named Claire DeWitt, but she is a sort of supernatural, uh, (laughs) private detective, except that it's our world, right? Like, it's our world for sure. Um, it's just that she is looking at things as if they are connected in a more than uh, just plain old, like, regular cop way. Um, and which leads to some really bizarre, interesting things happening in the book. Um, so she goes to New Orleans because somebody, excuse me, New Orleans, it's, like, really hard to break that early conditioning of how to say place <laughs> names, because um, someone has heard that she's the best, and there's this person who is, like, an upright, you know, citizen of the community who's gone missing in, during Katrina, um, and the they want them they want to find him so it's her job to find this person um and in the course of it of course she cover uncovers a lot more than you would think that she would um and you also get the story of how she became a private detective and so she's like super badass she's covered in tattoos she probably has a drug problem like there's a lot of um really noir super noir aspects to this and then of course you've got katrina you know and the like post katrina new orleans which is a really hard thing um to read about whether it's like fiction or nonfiction or whatever so this is a it's a dark difficult book but I think it's really worth it. Um, it's also got a lot of dark humor to it. Somebody actually was looking for comps to this a, couple, a show or two ago. Um, and it's hard to find somebody who's as good at that, like, dark stuff, but with dark humor as Sarah Gran is. So I think that you will be really into this book. So that is Claire DeWitt and the City of the Dead by Sarah Gran. Okay, my first pick for you is a classic. Um, so, for a warning, if that's not your thing, it's The Awakening by Kate Chopin, and it was written in 1899, so a little older. The first half of the book takes place on an island off the coast of Louisiana, and then the second half is in, like, in the city. Um, and this is kind of widely regarded as one of the, not one of the first, but one of the early feminist texts of the Western canon. Um, it's about a young woman who's married. She's trapped in a, she's trapped, you know, her marriage is not good. Um, it's very stifling. She has children. She's unhappy with them. And then she has an affair, which, you know, in 1899 was kind of not just a, a, a radical thing to do, but a radical thing to write about, to write a novel about. Um, and then she has to deal with like the, you know, kind of the consequences, deal with her own, the consequences of her own choices and, you know, what does she want to do? Is she going to stay with her kids or stay with her husband for her kids? Um, I, I don't, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. I say that for a book that was written like 200 years ago, but the ending like really does make it. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what happens. Um, I don't know that this would necessarily be a great road trip audiobook, but the setting is excellent. Like the, the, you can really feel her unhappiness when she's trapped in this marriage and then also, like, trapped on this tourist island. And then in the city, what she tries to do to make herself happy um, 
I don't know. It just feels very Louisiana to me. So that's The Awakening by Kate Chopin. Uh, my second pick for you is not set in New Orleans, but it's by an author who's going to be there, um, which that lineup is amazing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I picked A Bollywood Affair by Sonali Dev, who is a favorite. Love her, love her. Um, and this is her first book, and I just adore it. Um, it's about a woman named Millie who has not – she got married – at the age of four in, like, this, you know, old village mass wedding tradition, which is no longer recognized as legitimate. Um, But as far as she knows, she's been married to this guy forever, um, and she has not seen him since then. Um, But she has been working her whole life to try to be, like, a good wife to this guy who she has seen from newspapers and other things that he's, like, you know, uh, he's in the military, and he's, like, I think he's a pilot, and he's very, you know, accomplished, and so she's, like, oh, he'll need a wife who like is accomplished and educated and so she's got an education and now she's going to study in America for eight months um, to complete her education and uh, she has like sent him letters and um, on the flip side of this uh, the the husband is like wants to get married and has discovered that this other woman still thinks she's married to him. So he sends his brother, Samir, uh, to, like, take care of it. Um, And so Samir goes to Michigan, which is where she's studying, to be like, listen, lady, you guys aren't married, and you need to leave him alone. And, of course, they start to fall for each other. Um, And it's a really, it's kind of funny. Like, Millie is very clumsy, and so there's a lot of, like, kind of farcical, like, scenes that Samir has to rescue her. But she's also a woman with incredible personal integrity and strength. Um, And so it's not just, like, your typical, like, you know, back village woman and, like, metropolitan, you know, cosmopolitan man uh, story. She does, Sonali Dev does really interesting things. Things with that trope. Um, and it's just so much fun. So I highly recommend it. It's A Bollywood Affair by Sonali Dev. Okay, uh, my second pick was also for a book by an author who's going to be there, and that is Beverly Jenkins. And the book that I picked for her is Destiny's Embrace, because it's the first in a series. And I feel like that's all I'm recommending for this show, but whatever. Um, Beverly Jenkins is an excellent romance writer, and she writes historical romances that are set in Usually, well, they're set everywhere. She writes all over the place, but they're often set in the West in the uh, 1800s and then the American West. Um, and Destiny's Embrace is about a woman named Mariah who lives on the East Coast and wants to get out of her mom's house. Her mother is very abusive, physically and emotionally abusive. So Mariah decides she's going to, you know, set out West and make her own way. So she heads out to be a, um, what you call it? Uh, da, 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 housekeeper. Ooh. She heads out to be a housekeeper on a ranch owned by the Yates family. The head of the household's name is Logan. Uh, he's the owner. He's, you know, arrogant and kind of very alpha. Um, and Mariah comes to clean up his business. And his house is disgusting and it's a mess. She becomes really great friends with his mother, who also lives on the ranch. And they just bicker. Mariah and Logan don't get along. Um, he resents having a woman in his space, like, messing with his stuff. Um she resents how he's a jerk. <laughs> There's, like, one really excellent scene where he says something sassy to her, and she, like, kicks him in the shins, and it's just so good. It's, it's the best. Um, but, of course, you come to find out that Logan is actually very nice and caring and has this, like, tough guy exterior because he hangs out with dudes all day and has the pressure of, like, providing for his family and his uh, employees and all that. And Mariah is the won't-take-his-guff dose of medicine that he needed so there's lots of like 
sexual tension between them from, like, the get-go. Their banter is really great. The setting in California in the 1800s is amazing. I love a historical romance that's not set in, like, a ballroom in England. And, I mean, I love those, too. But it's nice to get out of that setting every now and then. Um, So that's Destiny's Embrace by Beverly Jenkins. And then just go read everything else she wrote, because she's amazing and I love her. (laughs) Co-signed. All right. Um, Okay, so before we get to question five, we're going to do our second sponsor, and that is Penguin Random House Audio. And we are talking about book clubs, uh, book club books on audio for this spot. Uh, And if you go to penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club, you can get ideas not just for, like, recommendations for what to listen to or read for your book club, but also, like, themes that you can – arrange a book club around tips for how to get a book club started um all like all kinds of things like that which i find to be uh very useful um my i have my book club has been meeting for about a year and i usually listen to the whatever we've picked um on audio because we meet once a month and it takes me about two or three weeks to get through a book on audio so it's like nice it's nice timing um and so it's a great listening to audiobooks for your book club you don't have to require that everyone does it but if you do it gives you another dimension to discuss right you can talk about the narration uh the choices that the person narrating the book made or didn't make that you liked or didn't like um and even if you if you don't all do that if just some of you in your book club listen to to them on audio it's a great way to like get it in so if you're super busy you want to join a book club don't know if you have time doing listening to the books on audio is um a nice way to fit it in because you know you listen to it while you're doing other stuff driving cooking dinner whatever um and so they've got really interesting recommendations on uh penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club the mothers by Britt bennett which i think that doesn't actually come out until october um but i have read it and it's probably going to be my favorite book of the year they've got the underground railroad by colson whitehead which was of course an oprah book club pick and you can listen to all of these uh samples and they also have discussion guides if you download a book that they've recommended on their site they have discussion guides that you can use you know to guide the discussion of your book club um my book club just picked, oh, what's it called? The newest Megan Abbott. You will know oh, me. You, yeah, you will know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's which I listened to on audio, and that narrator just nails it. It is so good on audio. I'm sure it's great on print too, in print or whatever. Um, but it was one of those situations where you know you're listening to it, and like I can't get out of my car. I'm sitting in the food line parking lot for 20 minutes because like I want to know what happens, um, and I've missed exits and that whole deal. Like it's just so engrossing. The narrator's really good. So if you're looking for um, an audiobook pick for your next book club, the Megan Abbott is really nice. Uh, if you need ideas or want to know how to start a book club or any of those things, go to PenguinRandomHouseAudio.com/slash/bookclub and thank you for sponsoring the show. All right. Okay, question, question five. five. Uh, this question is from Ben. I will be spending 10 days in Bangkok this fall. This is my first time in Thailand. I would love some recommendations on books to learn more about the area. Fiction or nonfiction is fine. And I'm especially interested in learning more about some of the cultural, religious, and political factors that work in the country. Uh, okay. So my, okay. So I will say in advance, (laughs) I haven't read any of these, um, yet that I'm recommending, but I fell down a rabbit hole of reading reviews like, whoa, uh, in response to this question, because I, I'm sad to say that I have not read that much, um, of authors from Thailand. I, I thought my, you know, Southeast Asia 
Um, reading was pretty solid, but no. So I, these are, I'm giving you the picks that are the top of my reading list for going forward um, that I made after you asked this question. So thanks a lot for giving me more books to read, which you guys always do. Um, my first pick is Four Rains by Kukrit Pramoj, uh, translated by Tula Chandra. Apologies if I pronounced any of that incorrectly. Um, and this looks fascinating. It's, uh, it was originally a Thai novel translated into English that tells the story of one woman's life um, in sort of in and around the royal palace in Bangkok. And it spans uh, four reigns, as you might guess from the title. So it's four different kings um, starting in the 1890s and up through World War two. So like if you're looking for a book that does social and political issues like this novel is going to have it. And I also have a huge weakness for court novels like novels that take place at different courts um which there's no short of in this world thankfully and uh and so this one is sounds super exciting to me um and as I was looking around this one just kept coming up on all of these like five best novels 10 best novels it was also in um out one of our contributors wrote and around the world in 80 books post and it was in there so I feel like it is definitely one that we should both pick up so that is Four Reigns by Kukrit Pramoj I also had to go get recommendations for this question because I, man, I feel like I read a lot of Asian literature, but this is a big gaping hole that I have discovered in my own reading. I don't read a lot of uh, Thai authors of books that are set in Thailand or about people who live there. So um, I went to the Book Riot back channels and asked the contributors. And so the first recommendation is for a mystery series um, called Bangkok 8 by John Burdett. And this, I read (laughs) the reviews. Okay, rewind. Super gritty, dark, violent. So if that's a thing that you're not into, now you know. Um, But the main character is um, a detective. He's a cop. His name is Sunshine. And he's half white, half Thai. His mother was a prostitute. And he is a devout Buddhist. So he's familiar because of how he grew up with, like, the dark, seedy underbelly of Bangkok. And he also, um, because of his spiritual beliefs, is one of the only police officers in Bangkok who isn't on the take, who's not, you know, a dirty cop. And so him and his partner are out uh, one day under a bridge and they see, they witness a murder of a a Marine sergeant in his car. Um, And so, you know, the two cops see this and then one of the cops, the main character's partner, is murdered, um, like, immediately. (laughs) And so Sanchi has to figure out both, solve both crimes, basically. And it takes him, he gets paired up with an FBI agent because the victim was a Marine sergeant. Um, and so they have to go down through all of the CD underbelly of the city to figure out uh, what happened to both his partner and to the Marine. So there's a lot of, this isn't just like, it's noir, but it's, it's Thai noir. So it's not gritty, drunk cop manages to crawl out of the bottle long enough to save someone from themselves or whatever this... Um, this police officer has spiritual beliefs that keep him, that prevent him from doing a lot of things that cops very openly and willingly do in a lot of crime noir. And there are, I think, five or six books in this series. Um, and from the reviews that I've read, most people like reading them when they're in Thailand, which seems like I would just have nightmares. Like, I go to a place and read a bunch of crime novels about it. Doesn't sound like a thing that I would do, but it seems to be a popular course of action. So maybe it'll work for you. So the first book in the series is Bangkok 8 by John Burdett.
That also was on every list I looked at. <laughs> yes. And actually, when I was a bookseller um, at a little bookstore here in Richmond, my boss, the owner, Kelly, is obsessed with this series, like loved mm. it so much. So um, so that made me feel okay about it. Yeah. And one of the members of the mystery group I used to do had read this for her International Mystery Book Club, which she was also a part of and like was always talking about it. So it is, it is beloved by many people. Um, <laughs> okay. My second pick is a short story collection, uh, which I got excited when I found because I love short story collections. Uh, it's called An Ordinary Sto- Story by Chart Korbjiti, uh, translated by Marcel Baring, who turns out to be like one of the preeminent translators from Thai. So there's a bunch of books that Baring has translated that are um, that you could check out. Um, this is one of the other rabbit holes I fell down. It's like, oh, <laughs> translators who are special uh, specialized in the language. Um, but so this author has won... Uh, the SEA Write Award and two times um, and was also named a National Artist in Literature, so like very awarded, very well regarded um, and is uh, known to be a critic of modernization and globalization in the Thai economy and also in society. So he's taking on these issues in his fiction um, and it looks like they're pretty short um, and they're all written in the 80s so like not super current but not super old either um, and is is looking at like you know traffic problems and like there's a woman with cancer and like a bunch of you know there's a bunch of uh, looking at like protesters and all of these different issues that pop up um, in Thai life um, and so that seemed to me to be an interesting lens to look at uh, the current political and social you know things that will that you will see when you're there so that is an ordinary story by Chart Korbjiti. Okay, my second one for you is Sightseeing. It's by Radawut Lapcharanasap. And this is such an interesting... I, f- I find this so fascinating. Because, okay, so the author was born in Chicago, and then he was raised in Bangkok, and now he lives in New York. Um, and so he's got a lot of um, international Ooh, yeah. perspective yeah, going on um, about Thai life. And it seemed to me that, including Bangkok 8, a lot of the books that are written about Thailand, but not necessarily by the Thai, are a lot about, like crime and how hard life is there and all of that and so I kind of wanted something like that looked at well yeah and you just recommended one the more ordinary sort of day-to-day life of people who actually live there and that's what the so this is a collection of short stories and that's functionally what it's about like every short story is about a person who's just going through the motions of their difficult existence in Thailand doing the thing um some of them are Thai some of them are expat or expats who have moved there like in one story um, the kind of like cadre stock character of the racist old grandpa has moved to Thailand to live with his son and his son's Thai wife and their family. And so he's like kind of racist and doesn't doesn't want to be in Thailand when he dies and like is just kind of gross. And then the story is about how he comes to realize like the humanity of other people who aren't American, which is kind of nice. Um, there's also a story about a beachside hotel owner who falls in love with one of his like a pretty American tourist who's staying in his hotel so it's just very quiet hardships happening like more emotional more emotional hardships less like sex trade drug trafficking hardships um, which it feels a little bit less exoticizing to me um, so yeah check that out both of a uh, collection of short stories and it's um not new. It came out in 2005. I thought that I was trying to figure out when it was published. Anyway, so yeah, 2005. So that's Sightseeing by Radawit Lapcharanasap. Sorry if I said that wrong. 
I know I said that wrong. <laughs> All right. Question six. We have time for our sixth question. This we is a rarity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess I didn't I didn't write down the name or this is anonymous. I'm not sure. Um, so this questioner says, I was a fan of the other Boylan Girl and other Philippa Gregory books. I also like the show Tudors. I'm looking for some book recs that are set in Henry's court. I like the balance of realistic and authentic with dramatic romance. I'm not big on nonfiction and would prefer a novel. I've also noticed that many books set in this era are from a woman's point of view, which is awesome. But I'd like to read one from Henry's point of view. Um, so thanks. I'm looking forward to your suggestions. I'm going to stop. Okay, um, I do not have one for you from Henry's point of view because Amanda stole the ones that I was going to recommend, <laughs> but I found you some other things um, that are not just, that are not just, um, I, I like, I get it. There is sort of an oversaturation of like, you know, Anne Boleyn's POV stuff. I mean, I still think they're interesting, but anyway, okay, I'm going to stop talking about this in general and start talking specifically. <laughs> so the first series that I found you looks super fun, um, and it is a mystery series, like a procedural mystery series set in Henry VIII's court. Oh my god! What? So <laughs> like, I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, and so the first book is called Disillusion. It's by C.J. Sansom. Sansom, I can say that. Um, and uh, so the plotline for this one is that Henry VIII has ordered the dissolution of the monasteries, right? Because he's like, you know, starting his own church and seizing all the wealth of the Catholic Church. Um, and so England is full of informers. And at this one monastery, uh, a commissioner has been murdered. Um, and so the this lawyer, Matthew Shardlake, and his assistant are sent to investigate the murder at the monastery. So, like, to me, this is, like, um, the name of the rose meets, like, Henry VIII and the Tudors. Like, it just sounds like so much fun. Um, and there's a whole bunch of books in this series. And one of the selling points of this book for me is that apparently C.J. Sansom is, like, one of P.D. James's favorite authors. And if P.D. James likes something, then you know it's got to be at least interesting. Um... So, yes, so it is a male POV, and it's a murder mystery, and it's in the court of Henry VIII slash his England. So I feel like that would be super fun. Uh, so that is Dissolution by C.J. Sansom. Oh, my gosh, I can't say that last thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my first pick for you is The Autobiography of Henry VIII by Margaret George, which is a novel from Henry VIII's point of view. <laughs> um, and it's huge. To warn you, it's almost a thousand pages and it's told kind of like um, almost in like a diary format and it has interjections from Henry's court jester, which is kind of funny. Um, but so it follows him from like it's his entire life, right? So birth to essentially death um, through all of his six marriages and the schism with Rome and all of that. Um, and this is really kind of I mean, it's meticulously researched and it's sort of Henry's chance to kind of defend himself a little bit like Henry VIII is uh I don't necessarily consider him a villain of history but he wasn't a great person um and he was obviously <laughs> a <think>? womanizer <laughs> yeah and like but the things that he did for religion are really interesting I don't he's just like a really complicated character who's kind of always just portrayed as this like overweight gross womanizing layabout which wasn't necessarily the truth of it, or not necessarily the entire truth of it. So this gives his voice a chance to kind of explain himself a bit and all of that. So um, 
uh, definitely more academic maybe than the Philippa Gregory, even though Philippa Gregory is herself a, a professor um, and not so much with the romance, more with the like, and then I went riding on my horse kind of stuff. Um, so the details in and out details of Tudor life um, and of royal life and what his like actual days would have been like um, amidst all of the drama of his existence. So that's the autobiography of Henry VIII by Margaret George. Um, my second choice for you is more on the dramatic romance side of things, which obviously the murder mystery series is not. Um, and I can't quite remember who narrates these books, but they are one of the things that got me through my English history courses in college. Um, they are a little bit like popcorn. Um, and I just found them so helpful because I was terrible at remembering dates, but if I could like tie it to some juicy tidbit I read in a fiction novel set in the same time, like I did much better. So, uh, I am recommending the Tudor side by Jean Plady, which is a whole series, Tudor Saga. Um, the first book is To Hold the Crown, which is actually about uh, Henry VIII's parents. It's about um, Henry VII and uh, sort of, you know, winning the War of the Roses and launching the dynasty and marrying Elizabeth of York um, and then having their children, uh, which, you know, turns out not the way you expect, right? Arthur is supposed to inherit the crown, but then um, he dies. And so Henry VIII uh, comes to, you know, rule. And so and then it goes through um, like all of his marriages. Uh, I think there are, let's see, it's like eight or nine Oh my gosh, there's 12 books in the series. Yes, okay. So there's a bunch, um, if you like it. Uh, you could also start with Catherine the Virgin Widow, which is technically number two in the series, but is the first that, like, does Henry's court itself. Um, but I thought it might be kind of interesting to get sort of the family background on Henry VIII to, if you're looking for it. Because it sounds like you're looking for, like, a th sort of 360 view, like, not just the one view, but many views. Um, so I thought this might answer that reading need for you. So the first one in the Tudor saga is To Hold the Crown by Jean Plady. Okay, my second one for you is Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel, which yes. is the first cosine, in a... Cosine, 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 <laughs> It's so good. It's the first in a trilogy that, well, it will be a trilogy. The third one, where, where's the third one? Where, where is, where is can it? Can I, can I, please to have. Um, the second <laughs> one is called Bring Up the Bodies. The third one, who knows when we're getting it. Anyway, um, so this is a Henry VIII's court told from the point of view of Thomas Cromwell, who was one of Henry VIII's main, uh, what you call it? I can't think, like, I couldn't think of the word. Advisor. Thank you. I can, like, the job <laughs> titles just totally yeah. leave my brain. <laughs> I um, kind of think of Cromwell as, like, Henry's fixer. Yes, yes, like his his Olivia Pope. Right, yes. <laughs> um, and so, but uh, probably not as well-dressed. So this is told from his perspective, from Thomas Cromwell's perspective, which is so fascinating because it gives you this, like, you get an outsider's view of both Henry and Anne Boleyn, which I feel like most books about the Tudors are about Anne. So you're looking mostly at, like, how Henry leads her along, how Henry makes her heart, either that or about how Anne is, like, a scheming, whatever, horrible person. Um, but his, but like Thomas Cromwell's perspective of both of them is so pragmatic and like Slytherinish and political and more like realistic, I think. Um, because I doubt that there, I doubt that Anne and Henry's relationship was anywhere near as like dramatically romantic as, as any novel would have us believe. But anyway, um, so Thomas Cromwell grew up poor, like a kind of a nobody in England, and he like claws his way up to being the fixer for the king and 
the first book in the trilogy is about Henry's dissolution of his marriage to Catherine and his uh, getting married to, to Anne and like what he has to do to get there, which includes but is not limited to destroying the Roman Catholic Church, um, and he ha- and how Thomas helps him do that, and like Thomas himself was like brilliant but also kind of. So sort of a little bit evil kind of like he sent it I remember reading this book and like he sentenced as a really big main character to death in like this horrible way um and then just kind of goes on about like eating dinner and that to me is the the like pinnacle of who Thomas Cronwell is in this portrayal by Hilary Mantel except she likes him like this is a sympathetic novel about Thomas Cromwell um and so you can tell that like she 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 thought he was neat and he is neat anyway I'm going down a rabbit hole so um <laughs> Yeah, go read it. And it's written kind of in a weird um, point of view. Hillary's, Hillary Mantel's writing is very strange. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but once you get used to it, you can't put it down. So Wolf Hall by Hillary Mantel. Is that it? That's it. That's our show. Woo! We did six questions. We did six questions. Woo-hoo. It's but I was like trying to keep myself from rambling <laughs> so we could get all six in because we we never do. Um, okay, so thanks for listening to our show. You can go rate us on iTunes, leave a review, makes the show easier for other people to find us. You can find us on social media. I'm at I'm Amanda Nelson. Jen is at Jen, Jen IRL Jen with two ends. And thank you so much to our sponsors, Spontaneous and Penguin Random House Audiobooks. And we will talk to y'all next week. <laughs>